What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the West Side Sports Podcast. I hope everyone's having a fantastic Wednesday. It is January 25th, 2023. I am your host, Dakota Esri. Welcome into today's podcast. Today's podcast is going to be a standard, normal format. We are back to the normal grind. Around the world section of Mariners, uh, a couple mock draft conversations I'm going to have about the Seattle Seahawks uh, from Mel Kuyper Jr. and Bucky Brooks of ESPN and NFL Network, as well as a update on the time and place for the Kraken tonight. With that being said, uh, we're going to hop straight into today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast and the overall content and conversation, please subscribe, leave a rating. I will leave it there. Um, first of all, massive congratulations to the uh, Scott Rowland family, to his parents, his kids, his wife, and everybody that was involved at some point of his journey. He has been inducted into the Baseball Writers Pro Hall of Fame. Congratulations to Scott Rowland. He had an absolutely fantastic career, uh, multiple, multiple-time uh, All-Star. He has won a couple rings in his tenure and his time in the league. Great mentor, great player. He was really fun to watch. Uh, not a whole lot of flash to Scott Rowland's game, just incredibly consistent player. Uh, he kind of got overshadowed by like Nomar Garcia Parra, Miguel Tejada. Uh, just like, you know, he kind of led the way, paved the way for like Troy Tulowitzki and those kind of guys, Adrian Beltre into the league. Um, so just big congrats to him. I was pretty disappointed though that Todd Helton got as close as he did to get uh, to getting in. He barely missed the Hall of Fame mark, which is 75%. I do believe it is to get into the Hall of Fame. He got 72%, so that's a bit of a bummer for Todd Helton. Uh, it's a good showing, though, that he has that much or that many voters in his corner right now. This is a good start for him. I'll be able, I'm sure he'll be able to make it up for next season. And then the other person that was on the kind of fairly close brink was Billy Wagner. He was in the high 60s as well. Um, Billy Wagner was definitely a lockdown, legitimate, closer, dominant player. Fun uh, fun story and quick little fact about Billy Wagner for you guys who do not know. He is a natural right-handed guy. Broke his right arm uh, when he was in Little League and started to throw left-handed because he still wanted to play baseball. And he was able to throw harder with his left hand than he was with his right hand. So Billy Wagner ended up becoming into a left-handed closing dominant pitcher. Uh, really a, f- a four-pitch mix, fastball, slider, change of curve. And he really uh, really kind of set the tone as far as closer goes in Major League Baseball. And then obviously Mariano Rivera, Trevor Hoffman. Uh, man, there were some great closers back in that day. Uh, I did reference here just a few minutes ago. Uh, mock The first mock draft from El Kuiper came out today. I will be di- uh, diving into the ins and outs of that here later on in, in today's podcast for the Seahawks section. There is an interesting report that came uh, to Bleacher Report this morning uh, about an hour or so, hour and a half ago from ESPN. A report stating that the Indianapolis Colts are heavily interested and have checked in already on the availability of quarterback Aaron Rodgers from the Green Bay Packers, obviously. This is going to be a conversation that continues all the way up until the draft. Uh, It's going to essentially Indianapolis, looking at my notes here real quickly, uh, pardon me, I had to flip a page. Indianapolis sits at number four in this year's draft. So obviously that number four pick is probably going to have to be included if you get Aaron Rodgers. If they come somehow, could find a way to keep that number four pick and find a way to get Aaron Rodgers, that would be definitely the best of both worlds. It's going to cost them a lot of money. I don't think Jim Irsay cares about money. He needs to get fans and butts in the seats. It's been a bad few years for Indianapolis. They thought they might be able to get lucky and get a flash of the pan with, with Matt Ryan. 
But Matt Ryan, instead of uh, flash in the pan, he froze in the pan like Matty Ice always does. And he was god-awful in Indianapolis. But uh, if, you're, if you're the Packers, I think you pounce on this opportunity. Because you just don't know when this is going to be able to come back again. That's just kind of the narrative of how these stories typically go. But um, Jordan Love deserves an opportunity. I've talked about that at nauseum here. I like his upside, but he has yet to show anything because he has another opportunity too. Besides for that start he had against Kansas City Chiefs uh, last season. So I think this will be a story we will have to keep our eyes on. Uh, other teams are going to be interested. I think Las Vegas, maybe, but I don't really. There's been some reports about Las Vegas, but I don't think it makes sense. I don't think the shoe fits the actual proverbial foot on that. Just kind of look at the fact they just, they just uh, dumped a, or they are dumping the contract of Derek Carr. I don't think they would want to dump Aaron, uh, Derek Carr's contract, excuse me, to take on Aaron Rodgers' even more expensive contract. So uh, keep an eyes peeled and my ear down to the ground on that stuff. Saquon Barkley. Now, this is a conversation that's going to might be uh, might be my segment of the day today. Either that or the, or the mock draft. So um, report came out earlier this morning, uh, borderline late, late last night, like around midnight or so. That uh, the New York Giants, football Giants, offered Saquon Barkley a $12 million per year contract. He declined this offer. I think this is a massive mistake from Saquon Barkley. He said in his in his um, tweet response or in his article, or not article, excuse me, his response, excuse me, that he wants to reset the running back market. And I don't blame him. I think it's an admirable thing to do. I think he has the... The stature in the position that could possibly demand that, but let's be honest, Saquon Barkley is a good running back, but he's coming back from uh, multiple years of injuries. He did have a really, really good year. I don't have the exact stats. I know he rushed for over a thousand yards, so bear with me on that, but it's I've seen this conversation before. I've seen these tactics before, and, and it was with Le'Veon Bell and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Le'Veon Bell bet on himself saying, I deserve more money because he had a even much bigger season than Saquon Barkley did and do, and do comparison, excuse me. But Saquon, you've just, you're just so, I hate, I don't want to use the term injury prone because that's not fair to Saquon Barkley. I'm not trying to diminish the man's talent, but I'm trying to be honest. Like I always try to be on, on this podcast and there's going to be a team, right? There's going to be somebody that pays Saquon Barkley 10 plus million dollars because they're desperate for a running back. You're looking at a team, maybe uh, the Cardinals decide to ditch James Conner and go and get get Barkley. Um, I'm trying to think of other teams that they need running backs. It's off the top of my head. Pardon me. I'm just kind of blanking off you know, all options. I know uh, there's been some conversation, uh, funny enough, out of Indianapolis, what they're going to do with Jonathan Taylor. They might trade Jonathan Taylor, so maybe Saquon Barkley fits there, but I don't think they'll trade Taylor to pay Barkley. That's kind of a downside move. Uh, Tampa Bay might be an option. They need running back game. If they can convince Tom Brady, they can get Saquon Barkley. That might be an interesting conversation. Uh, the Washington Commanders, I don't think is really is, is any much of a fit. But there are teams that need running backs. Sorry, I'm just trying to run through names of uh, teams I'm trying to think of that might need running back help. There are going to be uh, teams. Las Vegas might be a team you watch because I guarantee you Josh Jacobs is not going to stay in Las Vegas. He's going to go. Um, so be curious to see what happens with that. Red Sox did pull off a trade yesterday, early yesterday morning, for infielder Adalberto Mondesi from the Kansas City Royals. 
For those of you who do not know who Mondesi is or much about him, he is a switch-hitting infielder who has battled with injuries for pretty much the entirety of his career. He had one season where he was like, I want to see a 126 WRC+. He was a very good player, has lots of speed, has all the all the ability, has decent pop hitting from the left-hand side of the plate, but no pop versus on, on, on the left-hand side. It's a very odd thing. He's got like twice as much power coming from that side. So uh, they gave away pitcher Josh Taylor in that deal. And I know that they value Josh Taylor heavily in this uh, in that organization, but it's going to be a matter of what they view uh, Montessi to be. Um, let's see here. Got a couple more notes on Montessi. Montessi is going to have a couple more years of club control before he hits arbitration. Uh, they did turn around and also deal uh, outfielder Michael A. Taylor to the Minnesota Twins. I touched on that in a previous podcast. But that also opens up the conversation and the door for Max Kepler. We've been talking, I've been talking about Max Kepler here for probably about the last month because a lot of other podcasts uh, are not, not solely because of it, but because it's a viable conversation. I've thought he'd be a great fit in Seattle. We need an outfield bat. He's not a legitimate major league bat. He's going to hit you probably. 235 to 250, but he has outstanding defense. He has pretty dang good power versus right-handed pitching. Uh, not great against lefties, but uh, it's enough, especially with his defense and his... I mean, I believe he was the number one overall rated right fielder in baseball last year for, for defensive metrics and runs saved. So he definitely is able to make up his value in that area. But uh, it's the fact that the Twins are busy. Kansas City is busy. Uh, there's been more uh, information about them trying to get Zach Greinke back inside the building so he can retire as a Kansas City Royal, which is where he started from, for those of you who do not know. But they're busy. Uh, baseball's kind of firing up the stove a little bit, but there's not going to be any major trades, obviously, because teams are trying to essentially finalize the last parts of their roster before spring training hits, and we are just a few weeks away from spring training. And speaking of spring training in baseball, let's transfer and transition right into the Mariners, shall we? I have... One main section for Mariners today, and then I have a couple, uh, one small side segment, so we'll get right into the meat and taters of this one today. Aaron Goldsmith announced yesterday on Twitter, or excuse me, was it yesterday? It was late yesterday, or the day beforehand, night, uh, that he would indeed be staying in Seattle. He withdrew his name from consideration for the St. Louis Cardinals job. Aaron Goldsmith, for those of you who do not know, is from St. Louis. He was raised a Cardinals fan. It was his childhood dream to be a broadcaster in the city of St. Louis. But after long consideration, I listened to his interview, a really great interview for those of you who didn't listen. Check out Wyman and Bob on their podcast. He's in hour three with him and Mark Schlereth. Uh, It was a great conversation listening to Goldie, listening to how much he genuinely loves and has uh, really wrapped this city around with his arms and his voice and his passion. Uh, We're very, we're incredibly lucky to have what we have here in the uh, Pacific Northwest with our quality of play-by-play booth commentary guys you look down the list it has to start obviously with Dave Niehaus rest in peace my oh my and then you go you go down uh you have Rick Riz he's fantastic um Steve Rabel he's amazing uh Dave Wyman's a good good color commentator uh John Forslund's been great Eddie Olchuk's been really really good we are very, very fortunate with the great commentary we have. And then, of course, uh, Kevin Calabro, 
uh, for all his uh, Huskies and Sonics and all that good jazz and all his time. So we have a great commentary booth here in the uh, Pacific Northwest, and I just want to give a brief shout-out to all those guys real quick. And uh, so uh, just a brief breakdown on the history of Aaron Goldsmith, kind of where he came from to where he is today and how it's going to apply towards the future. Started in double-A. Uh, worked his way up to AAA. Mariners uh, kind of kept their eyes on him starting in AA. By the time he got to AAA, they plucked him, uh, brought him into their fold, into their or their organization. Uh, Mariners quickly saw the overall growth and the upside this guy brought to the booth. He has an incredible ability to tell stories and enter and infuse that in the in the play-by-play uh, -play games and the flow with these stories and the conversations between uh, Mike Blowers and Angie Mentek and Ryan Roland Smith, Mike Cameron, the list goes on. But uh, Aaron Goldsmith, we are, I am, and I'm going to speak this on behalf of, I would assume, probably 95% of all the Mariners fans and the Emerald City faithful, as I like to, to call them, that we are so thankful that you chose us in your Pacific Northwest family over your heritage roots of St. Louis. We are so thankful to have you here. You have done an amazing job for this organization, for this fan base. You have really galvanized the troops. And he, not going to say use it as leverage, but he kind of did, that he is getting a substantial pay boost uh, from the, from the, I almost said St. Louis, from, from the Seattle Mariners. Part of that pay raise, uh, he has been asked to step away and stop doing fill-ins on Fox for the college football season. Uh, him and Brock Hewer did a couple games this last year. He did a great job with it, but they want him to be dedicated as the main primary play-by-play. -play. So it sounds like it will be him and uh, Mike Blowers as the main duo in the booth with the alternate being Dave Sims. Dave Sims uh, does a fantastic job too, but definitely Goldie is the A-plus out there for that, for that crew and for the TV side. So huge win for the organization, huge win for the offseason. And I just want to say thank you, Aaron Goldsmith, again, for choosing us and, um, f you know, recognizing that Seattle is your home and this is where you're meant to be. And we are uh, very thankful and blessed to have you here as a part of our Mariners family. My side segment for the Mariners today is going to be talking about the shift and a couple of players are going to be affected the most by it. Um, Eugenio Suarez, I think, is going to be the third most player affected by by the shift is due to the fact that he's typically a pull hitter. Yes, he can hit home runs to right center field, but this guy's going to use left, left, center, center field most of the time. And a lot of guys or the uh, teams last season were shifting him heavily to the left side. So this will open up more opportunities for the singles, get the batting average back up to that 250 mark, which it usually is. So Cal, uh, excuse me, Eugenio Suarez, number three, and I leaked number two right there on accident. Cal. Big dumper, major country breakfast, as I love to call him, Cal Raleigh. I believe he is going to be the second most player or the second player that is affected the most by the shift this season. The teams were just throwing as many players on the right side of the infield as they could. He is a pull hitter. Um, that's a given. He can hit the ball out to, to, to left field, but his natural power is to right field, right center field, obviously. But it's going to be incredibly intriguing to see what he can become from the from the right-hand side of the plate. He just didn't hit for much of any power last season. Teams were not respecting his ability, really, from the right-hand side of the plate. His home run and average breakdown from righty to lefty is astronomical. I want to see he had like three or four home runs from the right-hand side of the plate and over 20 from the left. 
So it's a big statement and big showing that obviously he has one side, he is stronger than the other. We've had a similar conversation about Sam Haggerty, about how he hits more home runs from the right-hand side of the plate than he does the left-hand side of the plate. And then the number one player that I believe is going to be affected the most by the lack and removal of the shift this season is going to be Jared Kelenic. I, if the Mariners are going to hit their true potential and upside this season without having to pull another massive trade out, out, out of their cap, it's going to have to be Jared Kelenic playing to his ability at bare minimum. You brought in A.J. Pollock. He smashes lefties. You're putting in Jared Kelenic the most advantageous uh, position to succeed for this season. If he becomes Doc Peterson, like I've talked about, where he hits righties and doesn't sniff lefties, that's fine. He is a major league piece, is what Jock Peterson is. Uh, it would be a massive, massive addition to this team. Yes, it would be a bit of, of a disappointment not to see Jared Kelnick be able to hit left-handed pitching. But when you have guys like, like Pollock, like Hite Oscar Hernandez, you went out and signed Tommy Lastella uh, about a week or so ago. You have guys that can hit lefties. Let Jared Kelnick get, get that confidence up. And then, for all we know, maybe he, the light bulb flicks on and he can hit left-handed pitching. But... There's the lack of a shift, and there were so many times Kelnick stung the ball in the right in, in the right field, and you saw a guy that's 20 feet in the right field field the ball on a weird, awkward angle and barely gets him out, and that should be a single, and that just boosts the confidence of that young player in Jared Kelnick. So that's my personal opinion. I think J.K. is going to have the biggest impact from this. Some people have talked about Colton Wong. Colton Wong is going to spray the ball all over the field. Uh, it's one of the big reasons why I like him. He is similar in the profile to Adam Frazier, but has better bat-to-ball skills and has much better defense as he is a two-time uh, gold glove winner at second base. Okay, let's get into Seahawks today. We are flying and roaring through today's podcast. Hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, Actually, real quick, I read right over this. I'm going to have a quick, brief sponsor break. If you guys are looking for a quality haircut in a local in local town of Silverdale, Washington, look no further than Bloke's Barbershop here in, in Silverdale. Fantastic haircuts, professional uh, cuts every single time, includes a hot shave and a smile every time you walk through through that door. It makes the small things even more enjoyable. Would highly recommend. I get it. I get my cut there every single month, and I really enjoy his overall quality and the banter and conversation and the old school barbershop feel. So if you guys are looking for a haircut and you and you live locally, please make sure to check out Blokes Barbershop in Silverdale, Washington. Thank you so much for that. All right, and we are back uh, from our quick sponsor break. Seattle Seahawks, I referenced in the very, very beginning, literally the second uh, topic of today's podcast, we had our first Mel Kuyper mock trade. Or mock, not mock trade, mock draft. <laughs> I need more coffee, apparently. So Mel Kuyper and a polarizing choice and a polarizing pick has the Seattle Seahawks picking quarterback Will Levis out of Kentucky at the number five overall selection in the 2023 NFL Draft. couple uh, notes about Will Levis for those of you who don't know much about him. He's a big boy. He's Josh Allen build. He has a big strong arm. Uh, has the ability to read defenses fairly well. Has had some struggles uh, throughout his time at the University of Kentucky. Uh, puts mayonnaise in his coffee, apparently, or he likes to do that from, from time to time, which I find completely disgusting. That's a fact. It is on, it is on a, uh, radio clip. Uh, like I said, big, uh, big, strong arm can throw the ball football right over, right over the mountains. Like uncle Rico says all over and over again, comps to Josh Allen are consistent across the board because of his build, because of the offense he came out of pretty similar between Kentucky BYU for, uh, Josh Allen. But uh, just kind of had a bit of a down year at the, at the, at the UK. 
Um, big part of his issues, though, that he had a bad offensive line. He had rookie wideouts. He had no running game. Uh, he had one veteran running back, lasted four games, and then he had a bunch of freshman r- r- running backs who literally did nothing for him. So it was pretty much all him, all the time. And uh, I I can see why Mel Kuyper would lean this way, possibly for his first mock draft. These are kind of like the, you know, throw it out there, see what the reactions are, see what you hear from back from like executives and GMs, which obviously they're not going to tell Mel Kuyper much. And if they do, he can't say anything because that would be... Uh, a violation not very highly respected in the organization and in the industries. Ideally, though, if we're going to look at five, myself personally, uh, I would like to see Seattle go defensive line. Uh, I would assume I'm looking at uh, another one here, B- uh, Bucky Brooks, who works for the NFL Network. He has Will Anderson going one to the Bears. Two is Bryce Young to Texans. Three is Jalen Carter to the Arizona Cardinals. Four is Indianapolis drafting C.J. Stroud if Aaron Rodgers' trade obviously doesn't happen. And then five would be Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. couple notes on Tyree Wilson. He was a commit to Texas A&M. Wasn't getting the opportunities. Didn't like the overall scheme fit. Transferred to Texas Tech. This guy is a monster. He is the kind of player that you would revitalize the pass rush around. 6'6". 280 pounds, 85 and a half inch wingspan. This guy is a game wrecker. You look at the at these other guys. Obviously, Will Will Anderson, freak of nature. Um, Jalen Carter, big massive man. For those uh, for the for like the, my Marvel fans out there, he's pretty much Thanos. So we thought about Jordan Davis, but Jalen Carter has much more explosion, much more athletic traits than Jalen. Uh, than excuse me, uh, Jalen Carter does than Jordan Davis who was the big boy at Georgia last year who went to the Eagles in the late first round. But Tyree Wilson is the kind of player we could definitely draft and then build our defensive line around. I would prefer to see defensive line at five. I don't want to see quarterback. If you want to go quarterback, I like Sean Clifford out of Penn State, just as a brief name. I don't like Anthony Richardson out of Florida. I don't want a project like that. I want more of a polished player like they saw in Russell all those years ago at Wisconsin. Sean Clifford is definitely going to be that guy. Uh, Penn State, four-year starter, blue blood, uh, just a l- true leader of men. And that's just the guy I'm going to look for, especially for a quarterback. If we're going to go down that uh, you know, that boulevard of broken dreams, as Green A likes to say, back in the good old days of actual music. But um, <laughs> that's just kind of how I feel about this. And then the last brief topic that I'm going to let you guys know, the Kraken play tonight, 7 p.m. versus the Vancouver Canucks, 7 o'clock, ESPN+. Plus. Please tune in. Uh, the ratings, viewings numbers have came back for the last month on the Kraken. The numbers have just down spiraled down the toilet. It's bad. They have a one share. For those of you who do not know much about sharing or about what sharing numbers mean, I recommend Googling it. I'm not going to get into the time here to explain that because that's a long, complicated conversation and has to deal with networks and viewership and streaming rights. It's just, it's a big old mess. So Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Today's podcast is a little bit longer than it was on Monday. Apologies for the Alvin and the Chipmunks um, version of it that, that came out. Unfortunately, my uh, the software that I use in Audacity for, for these podcasts, um, it's kind of sometimes when I export the file to you guys, I kind of have these, these difficulties. Sometimes it crunches the file and it crunches all my audio, so... I'm going to do my best to make sure that doesn't happen for you guys today. Hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Have a fantastic Wednesday. I'll talk to you guys on Friday. And until then, have a blessed day. Peace.